All right, our lesson comes from Luke. This is for our recording, chapter 6, verses 27 through 38, I believe I said. You know, being a Christian, and I actually probably believe come to Christ in high school. I was baptized on May 17th, 1978. I remember the day I was baptized. It was in Presbyterian Church in the Lee Summit, Missouri. And I did a lot of service. Me and the pastor got along well. I was in a retirement home, and, and so I, uh, I did a lot of work for the church inside this retirement home at John Knox Village. And I joined the Air Force going along. I always kind of believed. It wasn't until about 1995-96, about the time Tammy and I are starting to date and get together, did I come to realize that through Bible studies and everything else, I was nowhere near living a Christian life. And as I have matured in my faith and to a seminary and other training and a lot of reading and different things I like to do, I feel that I have been lied to by the early people in Christ. At least semi-lied to or misinformed might be the right word. Accept Jesus Christ, and man, you're saved, and you're going to heaven. Just don't worry about anything else. Have we all not heard that before? You know, studying early church history, and even John Wesley, if we look, we go back to John Wesley at the earliest holiness movement. John Wesley really didn't start the Methodist church. We give him credit for it. I can explain that later. Uh, it's Asbury and Cokes that really started the Methodist church. He started a movement of holiness. And a lot of churches and a lot of denominations still use today. Early church around 300 A.D. all the way up until about 1600 A.D. uh, The church was primarily the Catholic church or a movement of the Catholic church. When you come to faith and realize that you needed Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, uh, you couldn't be part of the church, part of the family, until you had been baptized. It was a year-long training process before you could be baptized. It may be a little shorter if it was just right after Easter. They baptized on Easter and Easter only. It was the only time the early church baptized was on Easter and Easter only. Unless you were dying, and then that's a different story. Even in our hymnal, or the Methodist hymnal, in the Book of Worship, we actually have a different service for baptizing someone that's dying. And so the purpose of it was, was the priest and the leaders of the the church wanted to make sure that you had become a new creation. We're just excited somebody to come to church and be baptized and we're just just dancing with joy, are we not? Something new is going on in our church. But how many people have we may have harmed if they have this false sense of security that I was baptized in church and I'm good. I can go back to my party in life and do whatever I want to do. See, Brownie made the point with the children's church, if you heard it. It's all about love. And what the Beatitudes is, is about really about love. There's not so much say it, so to say, but it's really about love. And the new creation that Paul's talking about. You know, man, I wish I could be a new creator. Don't you wish we could go back to about the mid-20s, early 30s, when your body was good and everything, nothing hurt when you woke up? That's not the way it works, is it? The new creation is a new heart, a heart like Jesus. And, and see, so on the early, in the early church, 
They made sure your heart was transformed. And, and so we go along here, and the sermon, the title sermon is, Do you have, are you living with the right attitude? Or something similar to that. Are you living with the right attitude? What is at stake for living with the wrong attitude? Eternity. Where you will spend eternity. Don't get lied to again. Once saved, don't be saved. Man, you don't have to do anything else. Just claim the name of Jesus and everything's going to be good. That is not how I read the Word of God. Maybe I got the glass half full instead of uh, the other way around. So let's read our scripture. This is the second half of uh, Luke, of the Beatitudes. Uh, starting at verse 27, chapter 6, verse 27. But I say to you here, I say to you here, love your enemies and do good those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who are spitefully use you. To him who strikes you on the one cheek, offer the other also. And from him who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who asks you. And from him who takes away your goods, do not ask them back. And just as, I, just as you <coughs> want men to do to you, you also do them to do them likewise. But if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even the sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even the sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you... If you lend to those from whom you hope to receive back, what credit is that to you? For even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much back. But love your enemies. Do good. Lend, hoping for nothing in return. And your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High. For he is kind to the, unthink he is kind to the unthankful and evil. Therefore, be merciful just as your Father is merciful. Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your bosom. For you will be the same, for you, with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. This is the word of God for the people of God. Man, is that how the world tells you to live? No, if somebody hurts you, revenge people, revenge. I used to be the greatest at, uh, I used to travel a little faster down the road, drive a little more aggressively, and if you cut me off, I had my IQ, I was willing to wave out the window at you, or point to Jesus, one or the other, however <laughs> you want to look at that. Uh, but, but, you know, what, what does the Bible tell us to do? What does the Bible tell us to do? You know what? We are to be kind-hearted people to everyone. Now, this does not mean to be a doormat. This does not mean we can't protect ourselves, we can't protect our homes. This is not what this means. But we are to be kind-hearted people to others. One of the things that, that I'm looking at later on doing, has anybody ever really studied, just got the Gospels out, and study just the life of Jesus and what Jesus did? When do we see him mean? When do we see him getting paid back? We do see him overturning uh, 
overturn the, temple, the, the thing in the temple, the things in the temple. We do see him show anger occasionally, but yet when we see Jesus, when he's dealing with people individually, how does he treat them? With love and respect. With love and respect. And so that is what the whole thing is about here, is about love. Do we love humanity? Do you love prisoners as much as you love somebody else? The poor little girl that we talked into having her baby, do we love her enough that even though we don't know her, even though we don't agree with her life choices, that we're willing to help her out and, and to pr- further on down the road? Do we love people that are not like us where we wish good upon them? Where we wish good upon them? I, I'll share a story, uh, just a short story here. About the first part of this sermon, uh, bless those of curse you. Tammy and I, when we first got married, we had an individual in our life that was really more related to Tammy than to me, but he couldn't really attack Tammy, so he attacked me. My military career, I was... I uh, was a new senior NCO, of course, married with kids and all sorts of stuff, coming here to take charge, be the commander of a training unit, and that guy tried to do everything in his power to uh, hurt us and to hurt my military career. I used to dream, no, no lie, I'm just going to confess this sin right here. I used to dream of ways to kill him. Honestly, if I would have had the opportunity and I could have got away with it, I would have killed the guy. I said, man, if he's driving down the road, I'm a pretty good shot at a moving target. At least then I was. I could probably pop him with a high-powered rifle when he's on the highway coming here or something. I used to go along, and I would make little jokes about him. This chaplain friend of ours, Chaplain Pitts, who's since passed away, called me in the office one day. No lie. He said, son, you have risked your whole salvation on this person. He said, as far as I see, you're not saved. You're going to hell. Because you have unforgiveness in your heart. What? He pulled out a Bible. It was, a, it was a, just a paperback Bible. Gave me a bunch of Bible verses. And you, know, you know, the Old Testament talks about forgiveness too. You would never think about that. But the Old Testament talks about I had to read every Bible verse about forgiveness and write like a little devotion about it. Until I learned to forgive that person. Tammy talked about this person when she did the journey talk not too long ago. And I started having to pray for that person, that God would bless that person, God would do good things to that person. And funny thing was, a couple times after that, with, uh, with the kids there, the kids knew what was going on. Something come up with that person where he needed help. And Tammy and I helped him in front of other people that said, I cannot believe you're doing that. But yet, we were holding to the standard. What did Chris at one time said, I expect you to because you claim to be a Christian. If we were being Christ, we were following Christ's love for somebody else. It was hard, people. It was hard. Being a Christian is one of the hardest things going on. And you know what I like to do? Most of us are too caught up in our emotions. Most of us are too caught up in our emotions. Well, it feels right in my heart. How many young people do you see living together? Well, I know this is the guy for me. I know this is the wife for me. It feels right in my heart. And I know God understands. It's okay to have sex before marriage because, you know, this is a person I love. I know God understands because it just feels right. Well, Jeremiah talks about that real quick. Jeremiah, verse 17, start 19. It says, the heart is deceitful above all things. And desperately wicked, 
Who can know it? I, the Lord, search the heart and I test the mind, even to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doings. Boy, that's a hard statement, is it, all of a sudden, is it not? The heart, when we, when we rely on the heart, when we rely on the untrained heart that has not been transformed by the word of God, we will be led down by the devil down the wrong road. Uh, let me read a couple other Proverbs, chapter 3, verses 5 through 7. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and and. He will make straight your paths, and do not be wise on your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Proverbs 28, verse 26. Whoever trusts in his own mind is a fool, but who who walks in wisdom will be delivered. I got a couple more for us here. Uh, Luke chapter 6, verse 45. I don't think we cover this here. The person out of the good treasures of his heart produces good, And the evil person out of the evil treasures produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. What is ever in your heart will eventually come out of your mouth. The funniest people to be around, not so much drunk people, but tipsy people or tired people. When you're tired and irritated, how you really feel will come out of your mouth. The honesty will show up. When we're, when we're full, happy, and go lucky, we can control ourselves. It's in the other times we're not. Uh, but, but so we go along in here, and we, we, need to realize, we need to realize that this process of tra- changing needs to happen to us. It doesn't happen overnight, people. Zach Williams' song, again, and we're going to run into this again on the Ash Wednesday, Are You Tired of Walking Down? The same old road. Are you tired of being hateful and bitter? Are you tired of unforgiveness? Are you tired of the way your life leads? You may have a good mask on, and you may have a good life right now. But you may have a mask on that says everything's okay, but inside you're dying. Are you tired of it? Well, the Word of God and the presence of the Holy Spirit can change the worst sinner into the biggest thing. And so my question is, you know, in the liturgy, we don't really use it because I don't care for it. In the liturgy of the Methodist Church, it starts off with communion. We, we acknowledge we have not heard the cry of the need. We, you know, it runs down to saying, well, when are we going to hear the cry of the need? Just saying, well, I know I didn't hear the cry of the need. I didn't help people that needed to be helped. doesn't help you. You've acknowledged your sin, and you just think it's okay. We need to be changed. We need to be changed at the heart level to live an attitude towards that is pleasing to God. As we come up for communion, I heard this in the, we did take on this journey, and this guy does a lot of Hebrew study. Uh, that I really kind of, we're talking back and forth now. Uh, Moses comes to the burning bush. Real quick, everybody. Harold knows the answer because Harold and I have already talked about this. You'll hear this again on Act Wednesday. Uh, uh, Moses comes to the burning bush. What did God say? What was the first thing God said to him? Second thing God said to him. <laughs> why? Why? I always look at it a different way. Why do we remove our shoes because we're on holy ground? Uh, I always look at it as because you got the world on your feet. 
This guy said that's not the reason. What were sandals made out of then? Cows. What? Cows. Cows. Dead cows, correct? Nothing dead can come before the presence of God. He is the living God. And he wants us to be alive for him. So nothing dead can come before the living God. So when you take communion today and from here on out, especially until Easter, whatever is killing you on the inside, whatever is troubling you, it needs to be left at the foot of the cross before you receive communion. Paul says, examine yourself. If we want to be transformed into the likeness of Christ, which this world desperately needs people, we need to empty ourselves of ourselves and live for Christ. And so, whatever is dying in you, it needs to go before you receive the living blood and the body of Christ. Let us pray. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, Lord, we, we bless this bread with the living God to know that the Holy Spirit will be in that bread. And Lord, we bless the juice to be your blood from the living blood. And we realize when we come to the table that your presence through the body and the, and the blood is with us. And you're not a dead God, you're a live God. You're a God that says, Larry, and glory folks, I want you to have life and life more abundantly. Take off what is dying and come to me with open hearts and open minds and open hands to receive the blessing I have. And Lord, we ask you this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. I get Harold and Jeff to come up and uh, do the music team. Oh, I forgot to do this. The body of Christ broken for you. This is the blood of Jesus which is poured out for you. Kathy and Bush come up.